Welcome to Step Monsters, a podcast all about the highs and lows of step parenthood. I'm Elise and this is Bailey. We're two friends bonded by this crazy stepmom world. Welcome back to Step Monsters. This is episode four, if you can believe that. Today, we're going to talk about dealing with co-parenting, communication, and conflict between blended families. I think we've all had scenarios where there's been some sort of tumultuous relationship between the step-parent and the bio-parent, and there's multitude of ways to really handle those. So today, we're going to unpack everything that we've experienced from birthdays, sporting events, special events, and really help everybody kind of understand you know, what our experiences have been with communicating between the bio mom and between our blended family. So Elise, I'm going to kick it over to you to kind of start us out. Why don't you tell us and our listeners a little bit more about the communication structure between your husband and his ex-wife in terms of just children and parenting goes? So I'll start off by saying that it would be rare in my mind to find a situation where there's not some sort of communication barrier Otherwise, perhaps the relationship would have not um, gotten to the point where it became a divorce. So I think everyone, to some extent, deals with this. But the communication structure between my husband and his ex-wife has changed over the years. It started out with them communicating via text or email, phone calls, you know, whatever the other parent felt was necessary to mitigate whatever they were trying to communicate to the other person. Over time, it's gotten much more formal. There was a a lot of conflict, I think, in the way that the informal process of how they were communicating. So they use a, I think, pretty well-known application that's online to communicate. And there's only very strict certain times that they should ever be texting one another, which is, you know, something's left on the porch and you need to notify the parent and it's time sensitive, you know, that, that type of situation. So that's what it looks like now for us. And while there are times that that can still become stressful just because of the amount of stuff that may come from the other side and, you know, you still have to read it and deal with it. I do think having a a more formal structure has helped pretty significantly. What about you guys, Bailey? How are you guys handling communications? Yeah, it's it's interesting that that you bring that up because we handle communications very casually. So my husband and his ex-wife, for the most part, text each other. And when there's something major to talk about or something major that's coming up that requires more discussion than a few text messages back and forth, they do communicate on the phone. I will say as the kids get older, the communication gets less frequent, but also less combative. There were surely times where any kind of communication, no matter what it was, was it was conflict. I mean, it didn't it didn't matter how small the issue was. There was some sort of negativity or somebody was upset about something that someone did or didn't do or said or didn't say. So I actually, until you had told me about that app, I did not know that was a thing <laughs> in my mind, because obviously my exposure to divorce and co-parenting and blended families is very limited to just my scenario and what you and I have shared with each other. I had no idea that that was something that a court could mandate or that let alone that was really available. And looking back, I found myself wondering, well, is that something that would have been beneficial for us? But I don't really know that we ever got to a place where there was that much conflict that really you just, you couldn't, 
you couldn't handle it the way that it was and you had to put really strict guardrails around it thankfully but as far as our communication structure goes i do not communicate with the bio mom myself at all there are times where you know we're in the same room and obviously we're as cordial as as we want to be in front of the kids towards each other, but we don't have any communication outside of just in-person things when we have to. I mean, my husband communicates with her solely on his own. And I think that's a good thing. There was one time when my stepdaughter was early teens and dealing with like the typical early teenage girl angst and somebody had suggested due to just some issues that we were dealing with in both households that we go to dinner and discuss said issues. And I mean, I've always, I'm a a lover, not a fighter. (laughs) I don't like when there's conflict between people and I don't like when someone doesn't like me. I know that sounds super weird, but I'm, if anybody's looked into like the Enneagrams, I'm an Enneagram three. (laughs) And if you read anything about that and you know me, you will see that they line up perfectly. (laughs) I don't like it when people don't like me. And so this particular scenario has been really hard, but we did end up going to dinner and just talking about, you know, the differences in each household and parenting. And while it was super awkward, I at least felt like, okay, we're, we're at least all acknowledging that we're in this scenario, whether we want to be in this scenario or not. And we're trying to be adults and trying to move forward. I will tell you that was six years ago and it has not happened since. (laughs) So, uh, you know, whether, whether that was effective or not, I think is yet to be seen, but communication still to this point is is pretty much nothing between her and I, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think I mentioned in a prior episode that we had gone to coffee when there was some tension and I was pregnant and I was just like, okay, enough is enough, you two. Like, clearly you need someone who can try to bridge the gap in between just each of you being so defensive. And um, even after that, I think it was after our son was born, we were all at a a dance event and the girls had asked her if she wanted to come to lunch with us because we were going to go have Mexican. And while I think it put all of us in kind of an awkward situation, we embraced it and we were fine with it. And actually afterwards, my husband and I were like, oh, well, maybe this, maybe this will like change her mentality or, or make her softer to the fact that, you know, we are co-parenting and we really should just try to do what's best for the kids. And of course that blew up in our face. She got her attorney involved pretty quickly and made sure that the kibosh was put on that. So same as you, that's been probably five years now, but I, again, same as you have no communication with her, prefer it that way. I don't even look in her direction when, when we're in the same space. Um, You know, one of the interesting things is as our son has gotten older of course the girls will pick him up and carry him over to, you know, their mom or they want to show off or show her something funny that he does. And that used to drive me insane. It would make my blood boil because I'm like, she is so, you know, in my mind, so negative towards my husband and I, I don't want that to be carried over into how she treats our son. And Luckily, she's always been very kind and and sweet. And so a part of me thinks, you know, well, at least she's nice to him. And if it makes the kids happy and forms some sort of bond, then so be it. Um, 
So I think that's probably something that a lot of stepmoms with conflict deal with when it comes to the bio mom, because you can't really, you can't really say, you know, no, don't talk to my child. That's just not ever appropriate, but. Yeah, that's interesting. Have you, I'm curious to know whether or not, so even though you and her don't have direct communication, has there ever been a time where you're maybe having to discipline or set rules in your household for your stepkids? And that's, has that ever gotten back to her and then come back to kind of bite you in the butt in terms of just saying like, those are my kids, you can't tell them what to do or what not to do? She's never said anything directly, but through court documents and things that have happened, um, I've definitely taken a huge step back because the slightest thing I think would just create such a huge issue, um, whether it be, you know, you need to clean your room or you need to help out with stuff around the house. So that's still kind of um, an interesting, every time that we have the kids, I'm frustrated that they you know, aren't held accountable to really do anything around the house. There's no chores, there's no nothing. So um, that's frustrating for me. Even yesterday, I think I ended up cleaning the kitchen like three or four different times because they wanted to cook and and make a pretty big mess. But um, it's one of those things I remind myself that I think a lot of parents even just, I, you know, deal with that stuff with, with our son. So they're, they become adults at some point where, you know, we're not cleaning up after them, hopefully, fingers crossed. So I just kind of uh, complain behind the scenes, but put on a, a happy face when they're here just so they don't feel like Elise is in a mood again. I don't know how you do that, honestly. Elise, I I grew up in a household where it was really important for chores to be a regular thing that we did and for us to be held responsible and accountable for for things that happened in our house. And I will say I have struggled with that a little bit as a step parent. We definitely had to find the happy medium because there are significant differences in what the kids would be responsible for at their mom's house and how she would treat them and what she would allow versus what they would experience when they come here. For example, she does all the dishes at their house and she will make them dinner and breakfast and lunch and whatever snack they demand. But that's a whole nother topic. (laughs) But here, we had my stepdaughter do the dishes when she was living here before she moved out. We have the kids clean their own bathrooms, God forbid. And we have specific chores that they did. And really still to this day, I feel a tiny bit of resistance for at least my stepson, who I know he doesn't really have chores to do at her house. And then he comes here and we have this like list of Sunday chores before you go over to your mom's house for him to do. But I also... Hi, I'm I'm not a maid. I work full time. I have a very stressful job and I cook dinner pretty much every night. I'm, you know, meal prep lunches for myself and my husband most weeks and make sure, you know, I do the grocery shopping and make sure there's food in the house and that everybody's happy with it, but I cannot also clean up after you. <laughs> and it's just there's no world where when you're creating a functioning self-sustaining human that's about to go out into society in a year and a half on his own where I'm going to set a precedent at my house that leaving your shoes and your dirty socks in the middle of the floor is cool. Imagine what it would be like when he has roommates in the future and he's going to be a total slob. So part of me feels like it's my responsibility to make sure that when he like flies out the front door to college, that he understands those concepts. And I would say I'm really lucky that for the most part, that hasn't come back to bite me yet. I know when they were younger, 
there were times where I had to do what you said, where I had to kind of take a little bit of a step back, but at least my husband was always able to help enforce those roles. So there, she couldn't say anything about me because it was coming from him. And I think as the kids got older, they, they respect me more and and see that, you know, it's also my house as well as their house. And I, they see me now as an authoritative figure, but man, it was really hard for a while there. And I'm not, I'm not the typical person to step back from things like that. I'm more outspoken and I, it was really hard. I really mentally struggled with the idea that I couldn't even have a voice in my own house for a little bit. It, it is counterintuitive to probably every woman on the planet and it was really hard to deal with. But thankfully now things are, things are better. A couple of things that you said, I completely agree with. I think that it's the dynamic between what's going on at at the other house and, you know, what you choose to do at your house that kids struggle with. And so I think that that's what caused, you know, quite a bit of the angst with things prior. My hope, and I think that the kids have seen this as our son has gotten older, that I hold him to the same standard. You know, he's not nearly as old as they are, but you got to put your, well, at this point, he can't reach into the sink. So you've got to put your plate next to the sink and you've got to throw your trash away and you got to pick up your toys. So I think that that has softened them to know that I wasn't just being hard on them, that that's just the standard that I have in my house. Because again, two working parents, you know, we're busy, we've got a lot going on. And even though it's it's different at the other house, that mom's a stay at home mom and can cater to the kids and, you know, pick up everything and clean the house because that's her sole focus that I just don't have time for that <laughs> on top of everything else. And like you, a pretty stressful job that demands more than just a regular nine to five. So yeah, completely agree with you on all of those fronts. And I think, you know, again, pretty typical uh, struggles, but I look forward to, I always say that you're like my crystal ball. So <laughs> Once they're a little bit older, maybe there'll be some more realizations and um, a little more respect on all fronts. And, you know, I would I would appreciate the same thing for their stepdad, that if he is asking them to do something that, you know, they should be respectful of him. He's an adult. And I, you know, I think it works both ways. I agree with you. Question for you on special events. So we had touched briefly on this, I think a couple episodes ago, but I'm curious to know there, there are times where it might seem logical. You even mentioned there was a sporting event and you all end up going to lunch together and that's happened for us on multiple occasions. The kids used to be really into MMA. And at one point my stepdaughter actually had a fight and at the fight, we were all sitting in the same row and all ended up going to lunch afterwards and it was fine. She pretty much kept to herself, but that has become something that has come up multiple times. And that's not even starting to touch into the world of birthdays and holidays. So how do you handle birthdays? For example, do you, is there ever a scenario where you see everybody getting together or do you do birthdays celebrated completely separate? I will be shocked if any time in the future, there's any sort of together holiday, together birthday. Yeah, we have never done 
uh, joint birthdays or holidays. I don't even think there was anything prior to my coming on that that they did anything like that together. So it's always been separate. That's interesting. We have the complete opposite, which was so awkward in the beginning. I think it was my stepdaughter's 15th birthday, 14, maybe it was 14th birthday, where she wanted to do a big dinner with her friends at Puka de Beppo. And it was her favorite restaurant. And she wanted both her mom there and her dad there. And she wanted me there. And she asked all of us individually, can you please come? And so we sat at opposite ends of the table and it was super awkward. But then after that, I mean, none, there was no issue. Obviously her friends were there and none of us were really going to make a big stink about that in front of her friends. But since that went so well, she decided that she wanted that to be a regular thing. So pretty much every year since for birthdays and for both, not just my stepdaughter, but also for my stepson, we do a joint dinner, which has then morphed into not just a joint dinner with us and the kids, but also us, the kids, my husband's ex-wife's mom, so their grandmother, and then also now my parents. (laughs) So it's kind of morphed into this like big event. We even, we had, let's see, when was it? I think it was for my stepson's birthday last May, which was two months after the whole COVID pandemic really kicked off. So still kind of weird to have people in my house, but we had her mom, her mom's boyfriend, her mom's mom, and my parents all at my house to celebrate. I have so many questions for you. First, how was the back-end communication to plan that? It was mostly between my husband and her. So they both pretty much around any birthday, they say, you know, what's our plan this year? What do we want to do? And what do the kids want to do? And usually one kid has a preference on whether we go out somewhere or whether, obviously that wasn't an option in May, nothing was open, everything was closed down. So we had decided to just have dinner at our house, which our house seems to be the place that most events are hosted, including graduations and, you know, major milestone birthday events. So Speaking of cleanup. Yeah. I, I even told my husband after last May, I'm like, this is the last event that I'm hosting here. I've hosted my stepdaughter's 18th birthday, which was huge. I hosted her graduation party, which was huge. I've hosted birthdays. I've hosted, you know, all of these like major events. I'm like, I'm done. It's her turn. She needs to host something next. Like as much as I love inviting everybody in my household to judge it at every moment, it's just awkward. I, I don't want to do it anymore. I need to tap out. I need somebody else to take this responsibility next time. So we're getting into what I call birthday and event season, which because the kids' birthdays are only two months from each other. So between March and May is usually when the majority of these events happen. So we're getting close to that time frame now. I'll be curious to see what the plan is because I just, I don't want to host anymore. I don't. This reminds me of a really interesting story. I had completely forgotten about this. So speaking of bringing the other parent into your home. So this would have been, I think I was pregnant and I still didn't really understand, you know, the amount of conflict that could transpire. So I was still a little hopeful and mom came to pick the girls up and our oldest daughter was super excited that we had gotten her this new bedspread that was kind of like a sleeping bag. Like you could unzip it and zip it. She thought it was so cool. And she asked mom if she would come inside and go up to her room and see her new bedspread. And of course, 
I'm like, I don't care at all. And she's kept apologizing and apologizing. And I'm like, no, like there's no reason for you to apologize. Of course this was behind the scenes, but I'm like, when her and I were still communicating, there's no reason for you to apologize. Like you're, you know, welcome into our house anytime the kids want you here. So that was an interesting scenario. And I thought, you know, completely fine, but I think on her end, she was probably mortified. Yeah, that's that actually came up right when we moved into our new house. The kids wanted to show her their bedrooms. And that was the first time that she had ever been in this house. And now she's been here probably a hundred times, it seems like. So I don't really care anymore. But my first thought was, oh my gosh, she's going to see the family pictures that I have hanging on the wall right outside of their bedrooms. That's so awkward. I'm so uncomfortable. But when we hosted my stepdaughter's graduation party, my first thought was, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to completely redecorate my house and all the photos that are here because not only is she going to be here, but all of her family and all of her friends are going to be at my house. And seeing, I mean, we have this huge family photo of all of us above my fireplace mantle. It's like 40 inches wide. It's massive. And I had asked my husband, do I need to cover all of these? Is this going to be super uncomfortable for her family to see? And he was like, no, the fact that you're thinking about this is really nice. But no, this is our house and you're hosting. And it ended up fine. I mean, all of her friends and family were very nice to me and very cordial. And she and I actually collaborated a lot on the graduation party in terms of who was taking care of what and who was ordering what and who was making what and putting what together. So that was kind of nice, but a very rare occasion. And I, I really don't think there's anything that can prepare a stepmom mentally for having the bio mom inside your house. There's just so much that goes through your head. Like what is she's of course, she's going to judge everything while my decorations. Oh my gosh, I have this like chip on my cabinet. She's going to judge me for that. There's just there's so much and I these are little things that probably nobody else notices. But because I think we already feel like we're in this place of inherent judgment, it just it felt amplified to me still does. For some reason, I've never worried about that. I don't worry even when she was in our house that one time. I think the only thing that I would have been worried about is, oh my gosh, is the house clean? Which to talk to the piece of taking down the photos and all of that, I honestly think that any rational person would walk into your house and go, oh my gosh, that's great that she embraces those kids and really truly has made it a family. I think the flip side of what that could be is that's the situation you prefer, right? So to see that, I think solidifies that it's a very positive situation and it shouldn't be anything that outside of maybe the angst that some may feel about the divorce still, I think it should be a positive thing that you've got all that stuff and you take the time to decorate and have pictures and memories of your family. I think so too. I think if I try to put myself in her shoes, which is really hard because I'm I'm not there and I know you really can't fully empathize and understand unless you are, but I try to put myself in her shoes and I feel like I would want the same. I would want to know that the person that's essentially helping raise my kids half the time cares about them enough to to treat them well and to make them feel like they're part of a family, even though it's not what everybody imagines for their family. It still can be happy and we still can have fun. So um, one question for you as far as holidays go, what is your split right now for holidays like Christmas, Thanksgiving? Is there anything particular that you have to? It flops every year. So it's odd years, even years, there's a switch. So if we don't have the kids for Thanksgiving the year prior, even with 4th of July and any other holiday like that, it, it flips to make sure that each parent has an opportunity to celebrate in every other year situation. 
they do their thing, we do our thing. What about you guys? Do you guys even do holidays together? Oh, no, 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 no. Nor do I think we, well, I can't never say never. I guess I never really saw myself having birthday dinners collectively, but here we are. Um, Holidays we do not do together, which will be really interesting when my stepson is 18. So essentially all the court mandated rules, which is right now it's if we have them Thanksgiving day, she gets them Christmas day. And if we don't have them Thanksgiving day, we get them Christmas day. So it's like either Thanksgiving or Christmas day. And then that flip flops every other year. But when my stepson turns 18, they essentially can choose how they want to spend their time. And my stepdaughter is 19 now, but because my stepson is 16, they've kind of been following just, she follows whatever schedule he is supposed to follow at this point. But when he's 18, I mean, all, all bets are really off. So I imagine that's probably going to change at some point in the next year and a half. I just don't know what that will look like. I don't know if they might choose to do what I did when I was younger. I have, my parents are divorced. My, they've been divorced since I was one. And for Thanksgivings every year, probably until the last few years, just because I'm old and over it and my dad lives overseas. So I don't even see him. But every year, aside from that, I've been going to my mom's house for Thanksgiving lunch, essentially one o'clock. And then I go to my dad's side of the family, my aunt's house for Thanksgiving dinner. So I've been doing two Christmases, two Thanksgivings, and I would go there for Christmas Eve and then spend Christmas day with my mom and her family. But maybe they'll choose to do something like that, which if anybody asked my opinion, I would probably advise against that just because it's exhausting to eat two Thanksgiving dinners. And I always felt rushed. I never felt like I got enough time with my family. I always felt pulled in two different directions. And I wish I would have just said, you know what, I'm not going to do Thanksgiving with you anymore, but I'll come over for Easter instead. Or I'll do Christmas Eve. If we don't do Thanksgiving, I'll do Christmas Eve with you. But I'm hoping they feel free to make that choice, which I think at this point, their mom is pretty good at guilt trips, generally speaking. So I'm not really sure how free they'll feel to make that choice. Yeah, that's always the catch 22 is mom gets in the ear. But as you're saying this about your schedule for the holidays and what it looked like as you became an adult, I'm actually like cracking up over here because in my mind, I'm going, this is what happened when I got married. Okay, whose family are we going to spend Thanksgiving with? Who are we going to do Christmas? What are our plans? You know, everybody wants to see us. So my mom jokes and she's like, I feel like after you got married now, like I have to share you. And so, you know, my parents, I never had to deal with it back and forth. My parents have been married. um, I don't even know how long now. And so what we've done, and I think it's kind of like, it goes back to the, if you have a good relationship with the co-parent and people who spend holidays together, we have basically migrated my husband's parents and my parents. We all do, at least we try to do one holiday together a year because we're all traveling. We're in Chicago. We have family in Indianapolis. We have family in Ohio. And so we've kind of like merged everyone together, but it's like, goes back to that's totally the same thing that kids deal with, with how do I mitigate and handle holiday stuff as an adult. I mean, frankly, I feel like that's what I'm dealing with and it's stressful. That's so funny. I never even really made that connection. I think probably part of the reason, and you can say this is lucky or not lucky, however way you choose to look at it, but my husband's family lives in New York and we live in Arizona. So they're so far away. There's never, since my husband has lived here, there's never been a he's going back to New York for, he doesn't go back for holidays and they don't come here for holidays. So 
I never even thought that I wasn't, I was missing out on something that was very similar to what the kids go through or what I went through growing up. That's really funny that you mentioned that and that you've drawn that sort of connection. Yeah, I I love my in-laws. I love my husband's family, but I'm grateful for the fact that we don't have to feel pressured to travel at the most crazy times of year or to try to figure that out. It's pretty much my family here and and that's it and the kids. Yeah, well, the guilt trip is strong, definitely. I believe it. Well, I think there's a lot of other things that we could probably dive into. One of the things that we haven't talked about yet is who handles medical care and family decisions, although I know you and I could probably do a full episode on that alone. So I'm thinking we save that for a future episode and uh, maybe just let people know that that's coming. And maybe we wrap it up with the best way that you stay sane when you're handling conflict or disagreements with the bio mom. Do you want to kick it off? Yeah, I think I've touched on this a little bit before, but I used to let this drive me insane. And I would try to get involved and tell my husband, not with her, but I would, you know, my husband and I would be having a conversation and I would say, well, I think you should do this or you should think about this. And he would just throw his hands up and go, okay, now I have two crazy people to deal with. Like, you know, just let me handle it how I want to handle it. But I think that sometimes in my mind, I think he's not seeing it from the perspective of a woman. And so why not try to offer my opinion? Because I see things a little bit differently. I have a different perspective because I am a woman and I am a mom. And so letting that go has truly been not only beneficial for our marriage, but has helped me to be less stressed. Of course, there are still times and things that I get involved with when it gets too much for him or, you know, we're both juggling jobs and court things and times that we just need to get stuff together and he needs support and I'm there to support him when he asks for it. But outside of that, I've taken a backseat to worrying about those things. And I think that's just been the biggest thing that I could contribute for anyone who is dealing with the other parent and has struggles when it comes to their role. Because really, at the end of the day, it's not about what I want or what I think is best. It's between the two of them. You know, you had children together and although it did not work out, you two still need to make decisions that are best for your children. And while I could give my two cents, it's not my choice. And I had to come to grips with that. It was very hard because you love these children. You take care of them. You do their laundry. You help brush their hair. You, you know, do all the things that a a parent does, but then you've got to take a back seat when it comes to some other things. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. So I think the more that you can rationalize that that's just the nature of the beast that it makes your life much, much easier. I agree with you. Actually, as you were talking in my head was the whole reference to taking a backseat also, because that's really what I've had to do. I mean, and there's no other place in my life where I like to do that. I'm, you know, front seat leadership in my job. I've always pushed to, you know, I want the next promotion. I want to do the next biggest thing. I want the next best job. I want to try to do all these things in my personal life. I, you know, I always have all of these goals that put me in the front seat and put me in control. And I'm sure if you were to ask any psychologist, that would make me some sort of wild control freak, which I'm not denying. But as someone who is openly a little bit of a control freak, taking a back seat is 
really, really hard. It just feels unnatural. But that has been, like you said, what I have had to learn to do, learn and remind myself that I'm not the parent. And while I might have an opinion, I have to be okay with what the ultimate decision is. And I have to just let them parent, you know, they have kids together and they have to make those best decisions. And I also can't push them one way or another because it's not, it's not my call. It's not my choice. And I can't get upset if they choose something that's different than what I would have chosen because ultimately I'm not the parent and I don't know what it's like to have bio kids. So I can't even really relate on that level, but that's been, it's been really hard. But the longer I've gone learning to let go of those things and learning how to take more of a backseat in major decisions, the easier it's gotten for me and the less anxiety I've had in my house in general. Yeah. And I also say that to follow up by saying that I don't think that there are times where you shouldn't set boundaries. Definitely, there are times where I've just been a hard no on things that she's doing that try to infiltrate or um, cause stress for us, Um, kind of circling back to the holiday thing. So when it comes to birthdays, and I, I just had to draw the line with the boundary that her sending eight messages on our son's birthday was not appropriate and not something that was going to be okay. And so I think that if there are things that affect your household and that other person trying to infiltrate your household, then you, you've got to set boundaries. But like you, we're both women in leadership and we didn't get there for no reason. So gosh, that's hard. It is so hard. I don't envy women in our position. It's no easy feat becoming a stepmom, but I don't think I would change it. I'm really happy with where we are in our family right now. And I would say all the hardships have definitely been worth it. So I guess if you're struggling and you're listening, hang in there, it can get better. And if it doesn't, you get better at learning how to deal with it. So either way, your situation can improve. I hope everybody has been able to take something productive away from this episode. And I hope you maybe learned something about different styles of parenting and opportunities that we all have to improve. So with that, we will wrap it up and we'll see you next time, stepmoms. Stepmoms.